This podcast is brought to you by Stormaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at Stormaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. This is something we talk about day in and day out, right? When is it brand and when is it content? But we all agree that that's also based on the cool facts is that it is the content. It will always be the content that drives the intent. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I am joined today by Jeff Axengor, who is Director of Growth at Podimo. Uh, Jeff, you want to introduce yourself quickly? Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm Jeff, and I, um, I've been with Podimo since, uh, since September last year. That is pretty much a lot of time, or at least the share, a big share of the company lifetime because we started the, back in, in 2019. Um, and, and yeah, since then we've experienced great growth and a lot of things has happened, um, especially because a lot of that, of that lifetime, you can say, has been, um, has been done through the COVID-19 period, which is, uh, as you know, quite uh, unstable and, and turbulent, et cetera. So so yeah, uh, but in a nutshell, what I'm in charge of is the uh, the global growth strategy um, and operation, of course. So I'm, I'm both a technical um, toolkit, you can say, but also um, support a lot of the local market development and, and strategic uh, directions there. Amazing. Before we go too deep into that, I do have to ask how one goes from a competitive breakdancer to a mobile, <laughs> mobile growth expert. Yeah, well, I'm, I think... Um, it's it's a great question. I've always been uh, a fan of um, of the commercial side of, uh, of of the world. So even though that I was basically competing and breakdancing, I was always a part of events and um, you know building up marketing activities and and trying to kind of promote whatever workshops there might be. So I think it has always been kind of my, my parallel passion, you can say, to um, to just you know focus on the the marketing and growth side of of of, of everything so so it hasn't been a, a a huge leap or jump for me it was basically just just shifting more time into into what i do but but thank you for asking and, and thank you for spotting <laughs> it in my linkedin bio <laughs> i think you might be the first person we've had on the podcast who uh who can add breakdancing to their to their cv so it's uh right. had to had to bring it up it's very cool however a fun fact it's becoming it's becoming mainstream now breakdancing just got accepted as an official sports in the olympics wow True. i did not know that oh yes that'll be uh one of the few Olympic sports we might actually watch in, uh, in this household. Exactly. Like a retention <laughs> driver, or at least unlocking new audiences, maybe. So good strategy. Yeah, growth <laughs> for the Olympics. Very good. Reaching it, new new right. generational audiences. All right. So let's, I mean, let's, let's go straight into it. I think, um, you know, generally here we tend to focus on, uh, you know, more traditional growth strategies like UA and organics. And I would love to cover, I mean, 
first of all, Podimo, it's, it's a, it's a content app, right? It's about being able to surface, um, relevant channels, relevant audio material for users who come in. How does this, you know, how would you say that you look at growth from the content perspective rather than, you know, this is my UA strategy and this is my organic strategy and call it a day? Right. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it's a great place to start. And maybe I can, I can throw a few words about the, um, the product itself, right? So, uh, as mentioned before, we uh, we kicked off uh, at the end of uh, 2019, so we're pretty much a very new company still, um, a young company. And um, so currently, we're live in in Denmark, which is our uh, number one market, you can say. Um, uh, and I'm not saying that it's strategically number one. We're we're equally focused on all our markets, but but it's where it all began. This is all. Uh, this is where it all started, and uh, and now we're live in, in in Germany, Spain, and in in Latin America. So, so our goal is to offer uh, best in class short format audio to the uh, to the end users, right? And uh, and basically, we're focusing on content that can't be found anywhere else. Um, we, you know, basically focused on offering a hyper local content catalog. Um, depending on the market needs, and and we've recently added uh, a massive audiobook catalog to um, to to the to the product, as we believe that there's a strong correlation between the those formats, and and also we believe that there's lots of added value towards the end user by having that as well. Can I ask you quickly just about when you mentioned that hyper localized content is something you're focused on? Mm-hmm. How much do you need? You know, when your focus is is hyper local, how much do you need a very local team to be able to support those efforts? Versus how much can you kind of scale without going, uh, you know, region by region? No, that's a great question, and that's it needs to be a balance because there will be there will be content formats that are, um, let's call it more prone to localization. So it can be global shows, basically English centric usually, and then um, the the stories would be a great fit. For, for whatever market you localize. And of course, you would basically translate them, localize them, and, and, and publish them there. And that's, of course, a more cost-efficient strategy. However, uh, there will be formats that are not prone to that, and a lot of them aren't. So, so there is a lot of curation going on locally. So we are always dependent on having a local curation team and a curation content strategy as well in place. Um, and that is the that is how we differentiate, right? Because this is... This is basically saying, look, we we deliver the feel of the local market and the vibe of the local market uh, or culture or you know whatever talk of town there is through those verticals that we that we focus on currently those genres, and that goes from true crime, entertainment, self development, etc. Basically, the conventional uh, conventional genres, and there will be uh, a fiction, but lots of that is 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 not most of it is nonfiction right now. Um, and I would imagine that you had probably a plan set in place for 2020 that was probably disrupted, I'm guessing, uh, around around March time. Absolutely. I think it's uh, like everyone in, in the audio or video consumption industry, um, just everything that, that, that has to to do with habits and and you know uh, daily routines has been pretty much turned upside down, and um, and in our case, uh, it, given the fact that that podcast is 
is a type of is a format that that usually is is consumed during commute, um, and and we really expected uh, our listening activity to drop because we thought, well, this is not not going to happen, so it wouldn't kind of serve the same purpose because there is no commute. People are basically staying at home, working from home, and there's no need to kind of consume that type of audio formats. Um, so that was basically an assumption that we had. Um, and um, I can get back to how that went. Uh, but we also expected that the, the potential economical uh, instability may cause the, the need to trim the amount of subscription services out there, right? Um, we're, we're not a, a, a kind of a premium cost platform, I would say, comparing to our competitors in, in the markets we are. However, everything counts, right? So, so, so I think that the average person, at least in, in the Nordics right now, has six plus subscriptions for, for audio and video. And I think times like that just kind of, I guess, makes you reflect a bit about how much should you actually have and, and, and maybe make it, a, make it a healthy choice, right? Because then you just end up sitting uh, in your couch and, and, and binging uh, whatever flicks there, there are, right? But what we saw, what we saw quite clearly, is that um, a new routine popped up, and uh, the me time has become more, more. What we can see is just the me time, as you know, the entity or the concept of, of me time has become more important, and and to drift away. So amazing stories and, you know, nurture that me time has, has become a thing. And that's something we're really seeing in our consumption uh, patterns. So how do you, how do you pick up on that? You know, you have this, um, obviously an event that nobody planned for that's severely disrupted, which is true podcasts and, and commute was, you know, it's a, it was natural to think of the two together. How do you start to detect this change? How do you figure out, you know, okay, there is you know, we know commute is gone. Fine. This, this, this is something we all figured out pretty quickly, but how do you figure out that there is this actual consumption shift that's relevant for you to capitalize on? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think that happened incrementally, right? It didn't happen over day because I mean, given the fact that we are at least in, 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 you, you can say eight different, very different markets. I mean, Latin America is somewhat, somewhat different there, but I mean, let, let's say eight quite different markets and, and, um, some of them had restrictions, some of them didn't. Some of them chose to do the lockdowns at, at, a, at a certain point, some didn't. So what we did is basically monitor the consumption by market, right? Um, and specifically in those markets where we have the biggest data sets and could drag some sort of significant learnings out of that, right? Uh, so what we saw is that uh, if you look at an MAU, just an MAU-based kind, of, uh, kind of view on it, obviously we saw some, some some changed patterns, but that kind of gained traction again. So we didn't see any huge dropouts or drop-offs there. But what we saw is a shifted time of the day where users would consume, launch the app, interesting, and and have their sessions. And um, and also I would say there's a a slight shift in the type of content that's consumed. I wouldn't say it's drastical, and I wouldn't go as far as saying it's significant. But we're seeing more. It's more skewed towards what you would probably 
spend time listening or viewing in the evenings, right? Which is more like true crime formats of like really something that can make you drift away. Whereas this is an assumption that we have currently and we still need to validate it. That is when you're basically commuting or you, you know, on your way to work or a job interview or whatever, you need something that can kind of trigger some sort of, you know, inspiration, motivation. And then maybe that's a bit more in the self-development entertainment um, genres. Whereas what we see, well, I mean, true crime is also entertainment, but what I'm saying is maybe kind of the comedy type of entertainment, whereas the evening um, evening and me time consumption is really about drifting away and getting depth of, a, of an enticing and super interesting story, et cetera. Right. You don't want to get lost in, uh, in something else when you're on your way to uh, an important meeting. So that's uh, awesome. Um, so you so you identify these changes. You see that there is this different pattern in consumption. How do you react to that? How does your growth plan change? What do you, you know, how do you create the shift to match that? Right. So, so what we do is, I mean, the content pieces that we're seeing perform well, um, those are the ones we use to, on one, on one hand, to curate more lookalike content like that for the future shows and new shows that are coming up. Um, and also we look at retention, right? I mean, what we're seeing is if, if there's a super popular show that doesn't really connect or has a spillover to what we offer on the platform, you would see a lot of people come in for that and you would see them leave again, right? And that that really makes sense, right? It, you know it from the everyday context where you basically, you know, you're you're entering a, a sneaker shop and all of a sudden in the corner, there's like, there's a barista making coffee and you're like, wow, that's strange, you know? Um, but but there might be some who, who smelled the coffee and went in just for that and never cared about the sneakers. <laughs> Weird analogy, but you get the point. Um, so, so... <laughs> That that is a thing, uh, and of course, of course, I think many um, similar platforms and products experience that. Right, you you would really need to think about how do you retain those who come in for for a certain show, but also discover the amazing, um, you know, lookalike shows or or similar content, or maybe even expand the horizons by just discovering new categories uh, that that's happened to the interest of the of the user. Right, so of course, the onboarding has something to say, but also the the, the CRM, the way that the product uh, recommends new shows and content pieces has a lot of this, uh, has a huge role to play in that, right? Yeah, I hope that answers the question. It does, yeah. I mean, it's, it brings another question, which is basically, you know, if we look at, I think, especially in uh, what we see in this post-COVID world is that if you hadn't let content sort of drive a lot of what you were looking towards and a lot of what you were understanding, you'd probably have missed a very high potential, right? You'd be catering towards something that wasn't really happening. But my question is you have this one driver, which is content and kind of getting that sense of, okay, what's fueling here? What am I serving? Then you also have the brand side, right? You're trying to craft a specific you know, I, we can have debates on the importance of brand, but I think everybody has some sense of understanding that brand is, uh, is a central component. How do you balance these two? Can you work them together? Do you let content lead the way and say, forget the brand? We're not, uh, you know, we'll figure that out after. Do you try to make, you know, do you limit your content within the brand? How do you balance these two concepts, which can often compete? Right. Um, that, that's a, that's a great question. And, and, to be transparent, this is something we 
we, we talk about day in and day out, right? When is it brand and when is it content? Uh, but we all agree, and that's that's also based on the, the kind of the, the cool facts, is that it's always the content that drives awareness, right? Because, I mean, in, in, in a nutshell, we're just a platform, uh, but we offer amazing content, right? So it is the content. It will always be the content that drives uh, the intent, right? Because that's what we sell. That's what the platform is all about. And we are also very focused on selling, um, not selling, but producing and selling very, very high quality content. So exclusive content that is clearly well-produced and there's put lots of thoughts and curation and investment behind it. And that's what drives the business forward because we believe that, um, and this is really, again, a differentiation factor where we say, look, we we completely appreciate and acknowledge that there's a free um, that there's a free trend in the in the vertical which within uh, within which we operate. However, we also need to to emphasize that amazing content costs, and it, you need to invest in that, right? And we're seeing that more and more users, and that that's just maybe a consumption trend, is realizing that there's a reason why. Uh, a platform like Podimo is charging a fee because that 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 doesn't only cover obviously the production cost, but it also supports the creators. Uh, we have a model where we support the creators and basically directly from the from the premium re- revenue that that you as a user are are paying, based on your consumption uh, patterns, a cut of that is directly given to the creator. Amazing, I think. You know, one of the the questions probably that happens here is when content is that is the driver, right? And the ability to have really quality content and to focus your energies on that. How do you create a growth strategy around that? I mean, you can sit and say, let's just find the best content, but obviously, if everyone could do it, then uh, you know, we'd we'd be in a different ballgame. How do you turn that into a growth strategy? How do you create that process and go- set goals around it? Right. So, um, I mean, test and learn, it is, is, is the way forward, especially in the business we're in. Um, we can go for, we could go for a plethora of, of verticals and, and types of content, types of creators, we call them partners. Um, so, so, so I think that the curation strategy is really all about how do we, how do we test and learn and monetize, of course, but also how do we, how do we do the selection as bulletproof as possible? And that's basically based on the, the, the trends in the culture, the, uh, the commercial potential, the cost of production, cost of production, um, et cetera. So I think there's, there's, there's lots of thought that's put into how do we select and kind of reduce um, the next steps or the, the next, let's call it the roster of potential content productions into what we believe will be the best fit for our consumers, but also for the market that we're in, because this is not just, this, this is equally important for, for nurturing the existing, but it's also a, a huge part of, you know, building out PR, you know, do those kind of, I wouldn't call it news jag, but kind of ride the wave of already existing pressing topics in the society, right? Whether that's being uh, true crime cases or being a politically something uh, 
political obstacles or topics that are trending, et cetera. And I guess what, how this differentiates from, from, I guess, a newspaper is that this is the depth, right? This is where you get the depth and you get, you, 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 you get really the option to drift away and, 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 and feel that you are inside that is that story uh, that you're consuming, which is, I, I would say, quite um, quite an important entity when we when we curate. So I'd love to understand how you look at audience and audience growth, because, you know, clearly the the people that will be consuming are the key indicators of what content belongs. Right. You're reading the, the kind of true crime has this popularity. And, you know, I know we, we touched on local markets earlier, um, but I mean, even within a specific local market, of course, there's age ranges and, and demographic considerations how much uh, do you play around with, you know, okay, we've decided this is the audience we're going after, which means we need to figure out this branch of content. And how much are you kind of seeing who's coming in and saying, hey, maybe there's this group we didn't consider. Let's see how we optimize and iterate for them. Yeah, uh, great question. I think uh, the, the easiest and most concise answer to that, I mean, there's a lot of complexity around this this topic and, you know, internal considerations. But but I mean it 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 boils it down to the personas, right? I mean it and the personas might not be age bracket dependent, but what they usually have in common is certain lifetime lifestyle aspects or or common denominators, you can say, right? Um, and and those are those are the levers that we're going for. Um, I will not be able to tell you about our personas. That's of course that's pretty uh, sensitive uh, for, for our business, but. But what what I can say is that's really something we work with when unlocking. Let me call it. Let me put it this way: when unlocking a new market and and do kind of build the go-to market strategies locally. This is this is what it's all about for us. Because uh, we, the easier we can lock in on those personas, the easier makes it for us to curate content, but also to drive the growth outside of the app towards towards the product. And how much do you need, you know, how much do you need to tap into a specific persona? Do you need somebody on your team who who fits that demographic? Do you need focus groups? How much can you actually, uh, you know, how much does research get you? And how much do you need tangible somebody there to, to tie this in for you? Well, it's, it's, it's usually a combo, right? I mean, a part of, of, of content curation strategy is to look uh, beyond the content itself, it's also to look at um, what is the what is the target audience for this. What is the, I mean, in in, in the old school terms, the readership, uh, <laughs> and uh, and what is the, in this case, it's the listenership, of course. But what is the the brand of the partner or creator we're doing it with, uh, and is it aligned with what we think? Um, would drive this forward and and become get the momentum that we expect. Uh, but but I think it's it's a combination of a lot of internal discussions, um, also learnings from all our markets. And this is the beauty of being in a global team where you basically are in the tower and kind of you know fetching all the learnings and try to basically you know mix the the formula that you can you know push back and 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 amplify the go to market uh, strategy so the short the short answer is it's always a mix right 
lots of user survey and user research, you know, uh, uh, qualitative and quantitative as well, um, consumption behavior, uh, conversations with our partners, and basically the, the curation team is, is a big driving force there as well. Have you ever gotten it just completely wrong? You know, have you ever had something that you were so sure was was the right pathway and just bombed completely when you tried to launch it live? Uh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is this is a part of the the learning the learning curve that we're in. Uh, I, I think if if we have this conversation five years down the line, uh, we would have, I would assume and expect that we would have less of the uh, of those. Because you know the data set becomes bigger and your learning uh, is more uh, in check and stable, and you have more or less a formula of everything you do. But 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 I mean, in in this stage we're at, and also during those very shifting times, absolutely. Um, that there's been that there's been bets that have not met what we expected and uh, and needed a shift of strategy, and that's yeah, we we live and we learn. <laughs> Do you find that you're able to take those, uh, you know, is it random? We thought this would work and it didn't. Is there something in the process that you detect as, you know, we didn't take this into consideration. We need this in future processes. How do you go through that pathway of minimizing, uh, you know, five years down the line where you don't feel like uh, you're having as many of them? How does that look? Right. Well, um, this is, you know, this is a big part of my of my work, daily work, and that is to to cap those learnings, but also, you know, analyze them and, and really, really look at it from a, from a scale perspective, you know, how, how much of that is actually scalable, right? Let's, let's use, uh, I mean, you, you, you said it yourself, you said true crime, you know, uh, it's, it's a growing category. It's super um, popular also in, in the streaming, video streaming services that we're seeing. And there's lots of content out there that it's about that. Um, I mean, we we do know that in 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 some of our markets this is an an amazing growth driver, and in some of our markets it's just not. Um, and this is a cultural thing that you know in some markets there might already be so much true crime in the news and media that it's not really a thing you want to subscribe uh, for. It's not the escape <laughs> when it's your day to day. It's not the escape. It's actually the opposite, right? You just get the same as you as you as you consume in your in your day to day, yeah, information flow, right? So, so it's just an example. But basically, you know, locking in on those learnings and 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 really kind of take a stand in how do we scale this, and and if not, what is what is the role of this learning uh, for those existing markets? Are we gonna are we gonna you know change it? Are we gonna keep it as is? Are we gonna use it? to maybe create a new category that we believe could could then be the the the, the, the kind of the, the best fit uh, for the market that we're entering etc and uh, and yeah that's an interesting and, and ongoing process because i mean as you get better at getting the learnings you also get better at analyzing them and you know reduce them to you know few specific actions that are becoming this playbook when we when we uh, yeah roll out whatever activities I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I think one of the big challenges, definitely in the world of content consumption, but we see at places like, you know, fitness apps or plenty of other places where you have content that on the one hand can be free and is free in many situations. And on the other, you're, you know, you mentioned it before, premium content is something that you understand, okay, I... I opt in for this. You know, there's a reason that people choose to subscribe to five or six different streaming services instead of, 
you know, streaming online, uh, wherever they can find it. I'd be interested to hear how you kind of balance this idea of, you know, on the one hand, we need to prove that our content is valuable, right? We need somebody to already have that buy-in that this is worth the cost. On the other hand, there's a limit to how much we want to give for free when, you know, maybe we're supporting a specific type of, of engagement that won't profit us in the long term. How do you guys look at that? How do you create um, the balance between making sure you're growing your user base profitably versus just getting eyes on you that don't actually stick around or don't don't convert into something monetary long term? Right. This is a this is a great question, and I think it's a question that also has a different answer comparing to, or like at least depending on which market you're you're talking about. I mean, I mean, truth is, from a competitive standpoint, I mean, we we do know how our competition is, and of course, I mean, we we are in a very competitive landscape. So, so competitive analysis and differentiation is. It's just the talk of the town internally, right? This is how it is for us. This is our day-to-day conversation. So, so what we do is, I mean, we we need to look at what is the consumption trends, what is the maybe the the maturity of what we offer in a certain market. I mean, let me give you Spain um, for for example. What we do is not a is not a well-established format in Spain yet. It hasn't been subscription services and 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 podcast. That you need to pay for is is not something that is is widely acknowledged in a market like Spain, for instance. Whereas it's completely different in 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 Denmark and Germany, for instance, right? And we're seeing the same patterns when we when we basically do competitive analysis. So so even even that question needs to needs to be answered based on what market are we talking about. So in some markets, uh, less is more. Absolutely, I mean. We we know that um, we'd rather have better retention than than massive volumes and then lots of churn. Um, but what we do know for sure is that content quality is unbeatable, right? Um, if if it's the friction in a free premium model that we're gonna go with or not, it's the content that'll drive retention because that's that's at the end of the day what the product is all about right um and and then it's maintaining that quality level is the common denominator for us so do you have different onboarding flows and different models per market you know when you're launching in spain is it a completely different model of how you launch in say germany or how you launched in denmark we we are we're getting there we're getting there um we I, I would say it's something we, it, it also is a question of market maturity, right? I mean, we, we are still a new company. Again, we, if we're going to have a conversation five years down the line, that there's going to be much more clarity in my answers. But I think we're still in the phase of, of locking in on how do we approach market X, Y, Z. Um, and also, you know, what what is the perfect onboarding strategy for, for Spain? What is the perfect onboarding strategy for Denmark and Germany? Um, so, so, but yes, given the fact that we have a local team in all of the markets, that's what we believe is, is, is needed to have a hyper-local approach. Then yes, the onboarding will be aligned with that. And it will be slightly different from market to market. And how, how do you set about, you know, how long do you kind of give as testing periods when you're looking, when you're in the stage that you're in of really learning and figuring out? And it sounds like you guys have been 
pretty agile. It's one of the the benefits of, of early day companies as well is being able to actually say, okay, let's respond to what we're seeing and not just uh, the plan that we decided for ourselves a few months ago. How long can you get, you know, let's say we're talking about uh, onboarding in Spain, where you're in this market, where you're, you're kind of creating something that's more new to market that doesn't relate to user behaviors. How long do you feel that you give an experiment to run before you say, we have to scrap this or this is our way. Let's close the chapter on this, move on to the next task and, uh, you know, keep an eye on how things are going. Well, this is a, a, a more a scientific type of answer or question. And, and I mean, it really depends what type of experiment you're doing. If, if you're, if you're in, in more in the, in the qualitative space, let me put it that way, then obviously you don't need a massive, uh, a massive group of people before you, you can start seeing some common denominators and patterns, et cetera. Uh, and on the other hand, if you're doing uh, some sort of ATL activity, it's also very different to me- difficult to measure it, right? Because that's just the, 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 the nature of the, of the format. Um, so, so a lot of that is, um, a lot of the thought and then the planning is going into how do we utilize formats that we can, where we can get instant reach and lots of that so that we can learn from it fast. So it's really all about, you know, really handpicking the, 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 the methods and the, the, the channels and pleasure. And thanks for having me. Variants, you can say that would give you fast uh, and as significant as possible, at least learnings. So, so it's really a, it's really a mix, I would say, of uh, of of, uh, of methods we are using there. And shifting, uh, let's shift away from growth for a minute. I'm just curious. You know, we we obviously went through a massive global change um, over the past year or so, and I think you know, content consumption is one of the things that is being looked at in a completely different way. I mean, if we look at how people have many, many regions subscribe to different streaming services, audio services, what the expectation is of back to normal life and does, you know, do we go back? Do you think that there was a permanent shift in the market? Do you think that we're, you know, me time, for example, is that something that this is the new normal and this is something we we take? Or do you see us going uh, slowly, slowly back to the old ways of we're back on the commute. This is what we're looking for. Everything uh, is as it was. Well, I think it's, this is a personal opinion. Um, I think it's extremely difficult to break a habit. This is, it's probably, again, from a marketeer's perspective, breaking a habit is much more difficult than riding the wave of an already existing one, right? So, 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 so I would say I'm not a, I'm not afraid of that. Uh, the commuting is gone for good now that people haven't been doing that for a year's time. Um, I, I think everything will get back to normal as soon as the conditions are right, because this is that's how it's been done for decades, right? So, 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 uh, so, 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 I think what we will be, what we will learn from here, and that's basically something that we need to focus on. And that is, we have unlocked a potential new habit that we need to focus on, and that is what's the most interesting there. So, so I think this is this is really a question of what have we what have we learned during those those yeah I don't know year and a half for now I think, and and how are we gonna induce that in our day to day strategy? Like it. So nothing nothing goes away. You add basically. You assume that the previous previous habits are there. Now we have this additional layer to add in, and 
I guess, uh, you know, kind of continue to build off. I don't want to know what the next year has in store for us in terms of a dramatic, uh, you know, routine altering, uh, whatever, but, you know, just continuously kind of layer each, each new behavior on top of the next. Exactly. So, so we, we, we take it as a, as a, as an amazing and quite unique opportunity. Um, although it's been turbulent and tough for, 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 for most, mostly all of us, I'd say, right. But, but we also take it uh, as an opportunity to learn and, 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 and to potentially spot new uh, areas where we can, where we can build retention and intent. Um, Are you ready for the quick fire round? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. It's not too scary. I promise. Um, if you could give just one tip to an aspiring growth marketer, what would it be? Test, learn, don't be afraid to fail. Favorite growth resource? Oh, um, my user base. Nice. Um, okay. Who is the person speaking about going back to normal life? The person in the mobile growth world um, that you'd most want to take for lunch and, uh, and why? Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be someone who has been in the business for a long time. So obviously it would be my, my, Mark Zuckerberg. So, uh, you know, I'm always surprised that more people don't answer Mark Zuckerberg because it's like, yeah, he's uh, I would also want to go to lunch with Mark Zuckerberg and see what uh, that would be. So what is in about. there? <laughs> yeah. OK, the most important question when you're at lunch with Mark Zuckerberg. Let's say you're at a pancake house. What is your favorite type of pancake? Um, it would be for sure with vanilla ice cream. So, uh, yeah. Any pancake with vanilla ice cream. Any, any pancake with vanilla ice cream. It's, it's the best. So really you like ice cream more than you like pancakes is what I'm getting from this. Well, no, I think it's a combination. I love pancakes. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Every time I finish this, uh, this round, I'm like instantly need to find a way to get myself a pancake with now I want it with ice cream. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's you gotta neat. try it if you have it. It's, it's, it's an amazing. Hey, I, I'm American. We've had pancakes every way, you know, <laughs> if we can put ice cream on it, we put ice cream on it. If we can put dough in it, we put dough in it. That's how we roll. I will tell you, I once had um, a pancake that was made into an ice cream cone with the ice cream in the middle, oh which God. was uh, messy, but it was a treat. And I oh highly God. recommend. <laughs> it must be super messy, but you need to just hurry up and and and, and eat it. <laughs> Worth it. They make sinks, you know. That's what uh, that's what soap is for. <laughs> exactly. Okay, amazing, Jeff. Thank you so much for uh for joining and for sharing. And uh, where can people find you? If uh, do you have? I know you're in a studio now, so uh, you know how much uh, how much can people follow you? Uh, you know where where can they hear more? Uh, I think for sure, uh, check out the uh, the platform. Um, that's that's the, I guess the best place to start to know a bit bit more about what I'm doing indirectly. Follow me on on LinkedIn. That's where the uh, where the business uh, magic happens. Um, yeah, uh, there's not much more breakdancing going on. Otherwise, I could have. I was gonna say, is there a channel somewhere? <laughs> I could have pumped in uh, a breakdancing promotion for myself, but no, not a. Not, not a lot of that is going on. Not, I'm getting a bit old and Aww. have less time. But but for sure, check out the LinkedIn. Uh, of course, LinkedIn profile. Check out Podimo's uh, um, Instagram and Facebook accounts and, and check out the platform. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.